Hey, Titty Gang. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Tits and Talks podcast. My name is Gabby. And I'm Natalie. And we are so excited to have you here with us today as we help you navigate your health journey. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you learned something new. Hi, welcome back to another episode. This is week four. Woo! We've been doing this for a whole month. It's crazy. Wow. It's fun. I feel like this is my like therapy session because I feel like it's just fun to talk to each other. <laughs> Stare deep into each other's yeah, eyes and, and talk about health. <laughs> health. My love language. <laughs> okay. Well, today we are talking about sleep, something that we all have been deprived on at some point in our lives. Yeah, I feel like everybody's sleep sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. And a lot of people don't know, like, just the different terminology of sleep. Like, some people don't and, like, the different phases that we go through and how important it is for our health. We need to sleep. It's it's essentially our um, recharge system. So, like, you charge your phone. Our sleep is our our charge for the next day. That was nice. Thank you. Did you like that analogy? I did. I've been trying to come up with good analogies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All I'm right. Solid. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> We're just going to have this whole list of t-shirts. Like the titty game. This says. Show me your titties. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start off by talking about sleep. I want to kind of just break down the phases of sleep for you guys. So um, it is broken down into two phases. So we have the REM phase as well as the non-REM phase. And within those phases, there are four stages. So we start off in the non-REM stage and this goes through three stages. So when we're falling asleep, you're kind of in that light sleep and you're kind of drifting off. Um, and these are like the light stages of sleep. And then you get to the second stage where you're still a little bit more relaxed. This is when your sympath- or parasympathetic nervous system is starting to turn on. You're starting to get more in a relaxed state. The third stage is deep sleep. So this is where we spend the majority of our sleep um, is in this third stage. And then we go into REM, which is where we have all those crazy dreams. And it's, <laughs> it's interesting because in the REM stage, um, essentially we are paralyzed. So that's why like if you do dream you don't act out on your dreams so your body turns on this mechanisms where your muscles are paralyzed and you can't like act out on your dreams whereas like it's weird because I've actually had times where I like wake up myself where I'm dreaming and I start to like do what I'm doing in my dream Alrighty, so sleep is good for your circadian rhythm and this is kind of our body's like regulatory internal clock so it allows our body to know whenever we it's time to wake up and it's time to go to sleep. And this is kind of regulated by many factors, but if it's nice to regulate the system if you do have a um a good schedule with sleep. So if, if you go to sleep on the same time every day and then you wake up at the same time every day, that kind of regulates the system. But if you have like a sporadic schedule that messes this up. Um, and also it's important with like hormones, um, whenever you do sleep, it regulates your hormones. And if you are deprived, you may notice that you like eat more or you're like less motivated as far as like the eating more for that, it will decrease your leptin and increase your ghrelin. Is that what it's called? Ghrelin. I call it ghrelin because like the gur reminds me that it's hunger. Yeah, like you're hungry. So gur, ghrelin. Um, is in charge of like telling your body that it's hungry. So this hormone is increased whenever you are sleep deprived. And I, th- I, 
my personal, I don't think this is like true. I don't, I haven't read like research behind it, but I feel like if your body is not charged enough, your body is like trying to get energy. So it's going to increase that hunger level. That's just like my philosophy on it. I don't know. No, no, that's actually true to an extent, like with, um, sleep deprivation and inconsistency in sleep kind of like how you said the brain is very smart and it likes to offset not feeling good and Mm -hmm. so if the brain is tired you know the most readily available source of energy for the brain and its preferred method is carbohydrates or glucose because Mm -hmm. it can be readily turned into energy because it can be used readily available in the system as soon as we um, eat it and start digesting it and so the brain likes to have about 120 grams of glucose a day and so you know, if you're feeling pretty tired and the brain's feeling a little tired and it's deprived, it does want more energy. So in order to kind of offset that, it starts stimulating more hunger hormones specifically for carbs. Um, and essentially hyperpalatable foods too, because hyperpalatable foods, when we eat them, you know, things like pizza, ice cream, you know, kind of those refined carbohydrates, it also releases dopamine in our brain. So mm-hmm. it helps our brain to feel better and it also gives it energy right away. So People who are actually like sleep deprived or have inconsistencies in their sleep, they actually tend to eat upwards of 500 calories more a day mm-hmm. than people who have regular sleeping schedules. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're doing these series because we really, I feel like people, whenever they think of health, like it's not everyone, but you define health by a number. So you define it by like the number on the scale. Like if I, we were talking about this the other day, if I get to this certain number, I'll be happy. I'll do this. But I feel like this series, we really want you guys to understand that health is very encompassing where you have to deal with your stress. You have to deal with your sleep. You have to deal with your nutrition, your training, and all of these factors are really encompassing to have an optimal health. Yeah. Deep health, you know, health that's rooted in a holistic way. It's not just like surface, like you know, you could be a very muscular person, but internally you could be very unhealthy mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like you can be someone who, you know, by standards is deemed overweight, but internally like you may be healthier. And so yeah. it's not all based on looks and a you know, scale number. And it's just something that we've been trained to think just by the media and by like all the editing and stuff. And like our brain is like, oh, they're this number on the scale and they have muscles so they must be healthy but internally they like you said they might not be healthy so we want to really drive home that encompassing holistic health and you guys need to just be aware of different aspects of your life to just be overall healthy kind of going into more like it does sleep is going to affect your hormones so it's going to say like those hunger hormones as well as your insulin you're going to release less insulin which means that you're going to have a higher um glucose level in your blood so obviously that is not good and um it is just going to affect it's just not good you need some sleep yeah sleep is very important and you know a lot of times like working with my clients and stuff, I do have questions on their biofeedback forms regarding sleep. And a lot of the times, you know, they're reporting like, oh yeah, I'm sleeping like eight hours or I'm in bed for nine hours, but I wake up feeling exhausted. And it's kind of like, okay, well, how's the quality of your sleep? Like, how is your bedtime routine leading up to going to sleep? You know, and it's once again, like because of social media and the internet, we're kind of predisposed to assume that we should, you know, be getting eight to nine hours of sleep regardless if that's quality sleep, like we should just be in bed for eight to nine hours. Like we go to bed at a certain time, regardless if we're tired, because we're just kind of 
predisposed to believe that that's going to give us the best sleep results. And honestly, like the quality of sleep outweighs the quantity of sleep. You know, so if you're in bed for five hours and you're in, you know, deep sleep, REM, going through all your cycles efficiently for those five hours, that's more important for longevity and health than being in bed for nine hours and only really being in quality sleep for like three. Mm -hmm. Um, And reason being is when we're in that quality sleep, you know, we're going through those sleep cycles, our body's fully recharging. And so there's a lot of habits that we do that we're not aware of and a lot of subconscious behavior that actually affects our quality of sleep and kind of just our, honestly, like our predisposed anxiety to sleep. So what I mean by that is, you know, have you ever just gone to bed because you're like, oh, it's 10 p.m., it's late, I should go to bed, but you don't feel tired? Mm, No, I'm like, mine is like different because I very, my sleep is like my baby. I need to go to bed, like I'm in bed by like 9 p.m. I have like a very consistent schedule with my sleep because it's very important for me, especially with school. I feel like I need to get at least, like for me personally, I think I need to get at least like seven to eight hours of sleep in order to actually feel good the next day. But like when you go to bed at nine, are you actually physically tired Mm -hmm. and ready for bed? Yeah. See, that's good. That's through years of kind of building up to that, to training your body to be tired at nine. But for the sake of what I'm trying to get at, like, let's say you go to bed at nine, but you lay in bed for like an hour or so because you're not actually tired and you're just like scrolling on your phone or just laying there thinking and stuff because in your mind, you're like, I needed to be in bed at nine so I get enough sleep. But if you're not tired and you're going to bed when you're not tired, you're actually developing anxiety around bedtime and in your bed and you're actually getting rid of like your body is now associating your bedtime and your bed as a place of awake instead of a place of sleeping and so it's really important that we start kind of transitioning into going to sleep when we're actually tired not falling asleep in places that aren't our bedroom and not doing things in our bed that's not sleeping or sex you shouldn't be eating in bed Um, one thing that's really hard for a lot of people is like, you shouldn't be watching things in bed, like TV and stuff. And that's personally something I'm still trying to work on too. But, um, you know, doing these things that stimulate awakeness in the brain, it, it starts to build up anxiety, whether you feel it or not around bedtime. And so that's Mm -hmm. why some people, you know, it's very easy for them to fall asleep on the couch before bed and then they go to bed and then all of a sudden they're wide awake. Mm -hmm. It's because your brain over time has learned that your bedroom is a place for being awake and stimulation and not a place for resting, but it associates the couch as it because you fall asleep on the couch. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really important that we kind of start thinking about sleep in a different way of, you know, not having stress around sleep. Cause sometimes Mm -hmm. a lot of people too, they like know that they should be getting more sleep and then they start getting stressed out about like, oh, I need to go to bed earlier to go to sleep. And then once again, you're creating anxiety around Mm -hmm. actually sleeping, whether you feel it or not. Your brain is getting um, like predisposed to that, you know, and it's starting to develop not a great relationship with your bed. And that can also be why you're potentially like not falling into those deep sleep cycles and just kind of staying in lighter sleep or not spending as much time in that because your brain is in a anxious state of mind when you're going to bed and the brain needs to essentially be in that like parasympathetic calm relaxed state to really allow your body to go into those sleep cycles efficiently Mm -hmm. and and get the most that it can get the most charge that it can and stuff (laughs) and so you know if you are someone who has a hard time you know with going to bed because you fall asleep on the couch or it's just hard for you to fall asleep one thing if you're falling asleep on the couch 
stop it. Like, as soon as you start to feel tired, just go and put yourself to bed. Like, something that I recommend with a lot of my clients who have sleep problems is, you know, as soon as you're done with the day, whether that's, like, you just got home from the gym, you finished work, whatever, do your bedtime routine then. Like, wash up for bed then because if you fall asleep on the couch and then you go and, you know, wash your face, brush your teeth, change into sleep clothes, like, that's all stimulating your brain even more. So then by the time you get to bed, you're more awake versus if you kind of do your routine a little bit earlier into the night and then do like winding down activities like watching TV, playing video games, whatever it is, you know, you can do that until you actually feel tired. And then as soon as you feel tired, put yourself to bed and you'll start kind of shifting that anxiety in your brain away from that. Because if you start kind of retraining your brain to sleep when you feel tired in your bedroom, then that anxiety around your bedroom and that association of your bedroom being awake time starts to go away. Yeah. And so... Yeah, just super important that we go to bed when we're tired. Um, It's all about, like, compartmentalizing because I feel like the brain associates things that we do the most in that area with what we do. So you should have a separate workspace from your bedroom. You shouldn't have your desk inside your bedroom or else you're going to associate work with that and you're not going to be able to fully relax because your brain is associating that space with working and you're not fully separated from that. So if you're able to have a separate workspace, if you do work from home, um, like Natalie said, don't be on your phone and be scrolling through Instagram and all that stuff before, right before you're going to bed because that's naturally going to wake your body up. It's going to um, just allow your brain to continue to work rather than get in that parasympathetic state and then also like training wise so I know that a lot of people like to train right before bed but that kind of gets your system going and your body more in that sympathetic state so it's important to kind of train at least if you do have a bedtime schedule like give yourself an hour prior to like when you're going to start your bedtime routine that way your body is not continuously going as well as like eating big meals before you go to bed that can get your digestive system going and that's not associated necessarily with I think people think like oh I'm going to gain all this fat because I'm eating right before I go to bed it's not necessarily that but it does affect your sleep because it's naturally going to get your system going your body is going to want to digest that food and that's not like a rest and digest Mm -hmm. It also affects your glucose levels while you sleep. So sometimes Mm -hmm. people who are frequently waking up to go pee during the nighttime, it's not necessarily that you actually need to go pee or that it's like the the lack of bladder control that's Mm -hmm. stimulating it. It's actually the changes in your glucose levels. Um, So if you are someone who's constantly waking up to go to the bathroom, maybe looking at how closely you're eating to bedtime or the Mm -hmm. types of food you're eating to bedtime um, and kind of start working back from that way. Um... Something else that I just wanted to touch on real quick with sleep is, you know, a lot of people, you like, you know, you mentioned magnesium and stuff for sleep, which I think magnesium is a good um, supplement to help with sleep. Mm -hmm. But other sleeping pills or medicine like Trazodone, NyQuil, um, with actual prescribed sleeping pills and stuff, you know, a lot of people use them because they're having problems falling asleep, they're having issues staying asleep, and then the sleeping pill helps, and then they're like, oh, okay, like, I'm sleeping through the night, I'm going to bed earlier, I'm going to keep using the sleeping pill. Sleeping pills are designed for very short-term use. You know, we kind of start relying on sleeping pills because it essentially masks our problem, like it puts a Band-Aid over it. And the issue with sleeping pills, though, is when you take them, it sedates your brain, 
to an extent. And so your brain doesn't go in all of the sleep cycles because it can't because it's sedated. And so that's sometimes why when you take sleeping pills or, you know, NyQuil, ZQuil, all that stuff, you wake up feeling drowsy. It's because your brain didn't get full rest because it was sedated. It wasn't fluctuating in between those sleep cycles. So if you're someone who is taking sleeping pills, you know, I strongly encourage you to kind of assess like your bedtime routine, your sleeping habits and start trying to work backwards one habit at a time so that you don't have to be dependent on sleeping pills because you're not getting quality sleep. Like, yeah, you may be sleeping through the night, but you're not fluctuating in and out of your sleep cycles. And something to keep in mind is, you know, insufficient sleep undermines dietary efforts. So you can be trying your best to diet appropriately, you know, follow a training program, but kind of like what Gabby said, Um, a little earlier is if you're not sleeping, you're not going to reap the benefits of it. Like if you're not getting high quality sleep, your muscles aren't repairing, they're not getting as strong or as built as they can, like your metabolism isn't recovering, you know, your brain's not (laughs) recovering as well. And so then the next day your brain and just an effort to feel better and keep you functioning, it starts stimulating all these hormone productions and releasing it so that you eat more food and particularly food of, you know, not the highest nutrient value, you know, like those more hyper palatable foods. And so if you, if you are trying to diet and you're not seeing success, it might be worth looking into your sleep routine and seeing, you know, how is your sleep doing? How is the quality of it? Like, are you going in and out of sleep cycles? Um, and also just stress management too. Yeah. Like those two things, you need to be in a very just relaxed state to diet efficiently Mm -hmm. and to get the most like you should try and be in dieting phases for a very short period of time you essentially just want to get in get the work done get out um because the system doesn't like being in a deficit but if you're having all these factors that don't allow for you to have control over your hunger and appetite then you know it's just you're essentially just going to be fighting yourself because your brain's going to be stimulating for other things and then you're going to be trying to fight against it and then it kind of just creates this like toxic cycle of you feeling like you don't have enough willpower to diet because you keep getting all these cravings for you know carb dense foods and eating it and feeling like you're not succeeding when really it's not necessarily a lack of willpower it's just not having strong habits that Mm -hmm. support being in a deficit yeah and going back to taking sleeping pills you have to realize that if you do become reliant on those it's not going to be easy to just stop and go back to your normal sleeping cycle, you're going to probably have either like a couple weeks or a couple days, depending on the person, where you're going to have to be tired and allow your circadian rhythm to kind of reset um, in order to stop that reliance on those sleeping pills because it's not going to be an easy reset for your body to go back to the normal ways without that sleeping pill because your body already got used to those um signals from the sleeping pills and it's not going to be easy but same thing too whenever you are not getting enough sleep it's not going to allow you to be as efficient in the gym so you're not going to have efficient workouts you're going to feel weaker you're not going to um, like Natalie said your muscles aren't going to be recovering efficiently so you're not going to get the progress that you're wanting to and it's just that constant feedback system where you're feeling bad for yourself because you think you're not doing the work you are going to indulge in all of those high calorie foods but it's because you're not looking at all the other simple factors of like that holistic health okay so we're going to transition into naps real quick just because i i feel like that needs to be talked about because there's a lot of misunderstandings around naps and stuff and so 
think about your sleep as a pressure cooker. So you start it right in the morning and the pressure slowly builds up and slowly builds up and slowly builds up until it's time for all of that pressure to be released. And it's kind of the same system with sleeping. You know, you wake up and your sleep pressure is relatively low and as the day goes on, it gets higher and higher and higher until it reaches its max where you feel tired and ready for bed. So that that is what your sleep pressure is. And naps deplete your sleep pressure. So something with naps, you know, I'm not saying not to take naps. I've, I took a nap yesterday, um, you know, but you should be strategic about your naps um, in regards to trying to have at least eight hours between nap time and when you're going to bed so that you can build sleep pressure back up. Um, and then another thing is with naps, you've got two types of naps that you should aim for time-wise. The first one is cognitive reset, which is like a 20-minute cat nap. That's just kind of to help refresh the brain. Um, and it's not enough time to where you're getting into deep sleep and then you're feeling kind of drowsy. It's just enough to kind of refresh the brain. So if you feel like you need a little power nap, try and aim for it to be 20 minutes. The other one is if you need a little bit more than a power nap, like let's say you didn't sleep well the night beforehand or you're a shift worker or, you know, a firefighter and you just didn't get a lot of sleep, then doing a nap from, you know, 75 minutes to 90 minutes is you're going to receive the most benefits from it. Because in that time frame, you allow your body to go through your sleep cycle, and then you also have a brief period of awakeness after that 90-minute cycle. So that if you wake up, you know, at 95 minutes, you would probably be waking up feeling pretty well rested and not super drowsy. You're like, where am I? What day is it? What time is it? Because you're in that phase of light sleep where you're not being disrupted out of like your REM stage or deep sleep and stuff. And so naps can be very helpful, especially for um, shift workers, firefighters, you know, people who sleep isn't on a normal circadian rhythm. So napping for those, that population can be very helpful for just reestablishing sleep. You know, when you, when you have a very inconsistent sleep schedule due to work related things, you know, trying to get in as much sleep throughout the day as you can without it affecting your ability to sleep that night or that morning is important because you're essentially going a lengthened period of time without sleep. And so, for those types of professions, like naps can be very helpful and beneficial, but for, you know, normal population where maybe you just didn't sleep well the night beforehand or stayed up too late or, you know, whatever it may be, like naps can still be beneficial, but just be aware that if you do it closer to bedtime, you're going to have issues falling asleep later that night or become reliant on sleeping medication to help you fall asleep. So yeah, just keep that in mind with naps. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, I can't take naps because I know if I do, then later on in the day, I know that I'll have a harder time falling asleep. And I think that can kind of mess up your circadian rhythm. But there's, like Natalie said, there's specific times where they are beneficial. If you do work night shifts or if you don't have that regulated circadian rhythm and you're like working as a firefighter, then you're not going to be able to to function if you don't have those naps and those reset of your body because you do need that charge. Um, there's so many beneficial things that are happening when you're sleeping, essentially like your brain is resetting, um, all of those, if you're in school, like all of those connections that you made throughout the day are going to be reset whenever you're sleeping. So just get your sleep or else you, you will, will die. die. <laughs> You'll get chlamydia and, and you, you will die. die. <laughs> But yeah, I think, you know, just kind of one last thing to touch on. I'm really glad that it seems like social media is getting away from this, but there was definitely like a few years where you go on social media and like literally every single person was like 
if you're not awake at 5 a.m., like, your competition's outworking you. And if you're not working 24-7 and, like, sleep is for the week and blah, 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 like, all that crap, ignore that. That is complete bullshit. And, you know, yeah, waking up early, if it works for your schedule, you know, can help with productivity and just making making the day feel better. But that's the thing is if you're not getting enough sleep to support waking up that early, then don't fucking wake up that early. Yeah, and, and everybody has like different productivity times. So some people are really productive in the morning. Some people are really productive at night. So it doesn't matter what other people are doing, but you have to remember that everybody's body is different and what works for you is what's best going to be best for you, you know? So if yeah. you do need to sleep in until nine and then you feel like you're very recovered and you get your workout in, later on that day, it's no different than someone waking up at five and having to get their workout in early that day. You're still going to get the same benefits. Yeah. So just take, take what you see on social media with a grain of salt. You know, there's a lot of influencers out there. I feel like it's now transitioning from, you know, that kind of phase where everybody was like, oh, grind, grind, grind to like, oh, here's my 5am aesthetic productive morning routine Mm -hmm. to like be the best person ever. And it's like, okay, cool. Like once again, if that works for you, awesome. If it doesn't work for you, don't feel like you like don't feel like you need to sacrifice your sleep in order to achieve what you see these people on social media doing because yeah. chances are they're not sharing everything with you. Not at all. Yeah, I'm like, like that's like a perfect routine. They probably took that clip like five times on because, Saturday yeah. afternoon. <laughs> Literally, they're like, "Oh, I just woke up." They have their like ring light on, and it's not even morning time. I'm like, take social media is just it's a mind fuck. It is, yeah. So you know, if someone is making you feel bad for not, like, staying up to, like, midnight working and then getting up at 4 a.m. to work, you can tell them to just eat a bag of dicks because yeah. that's, that's stupid and they're, they may feel like they're on top of the world right now because or they, they are be really so much done. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, they're going to burn out. Like Gabby said, we are a system that needs to be recharged and we can only go on low battery for so long before we crash and burn and die. So (laughs) we're going to crash, you're going to die, you're going to get chlamydia and you will die. And if you guys know that quote, let us know. If you don't, you can't sit with us. (laughs) So like this was a really short one. I feel like with sleep, it's very just to the point. Just fucking sleep. Just fucking go to bed. You want everybody Turn this off and go to bed now. <laughs> I don't care what time of day. Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, seriously, like, in, in improving your sleep, you know, I definitely recommend taking, identifying one habit that you want to change and focus on that habit. And then focus on a new one. And then a new one. And it doesn't have to be, like, moving freaking boulders right away. Like, you know, like, let's say you're currently going to bed at midnight and waking up at 6 a.m. every day. And you're like, you know, I really want to improve my sleep. Maybe I should start going to bed earlier. Don't set a bedtime of 9 p.m. if you're regularly going to bed at freaking midnight. Like, you're not going to succeed consistently at that, and you're just going to get frustrated and annoyed. Maybe do, like, go to bed at 1130. Yeah. And, like, it's small things. Exactly. It's all about setting those small goals that are going to get you to that big goal, like we said in our previous podcast. And... Just focusing on maybe you get on your phone, maybe take 30 minutes less on your phone. If you're constantly scrolling through TikTok or through their Instagram, take that away. That way your light isn't, your brain is exposed to that blue light right before you go to bed and your brain isn't going on social media influencers Mm -hmm. or maybe be like, okay, I'm not going to eat this big meal right before I go to bed. I'm going to give myself 30 minutes. Then the next week I'm going to give myself an hour and kind of assess, okay, how does my body react to this? And it's going to take time. Anything 
that is not in your daily routine and that your body's not used to is going to take time in order to establish that new habit. Yeah, it usually takes 66 days for a habit yeah, to be formed. So just keep that in mind. Another like, fun fact for you. Yeah, a little fun fact. But, you know, and even like with the phone thing, if you feel like you genuinely need to scroll on your phone in order to get tired, okay, then cool, do that. But just don't do it in bed. Do it on the couch. And then as soon as you get tired, take yourself to bed. Or, you know, do it in the kitchen somewhere, you know. But the kitchen, I don't, the, kitchen the bathroom, <laughs> the dining room perhaps. The backyard, the garage, the attic, <laughs> wherever. But, like, stop having conditioned arousal to your bed. And are you thinking dirty thoughts yeah. with that word? <laughs> only sometimes. <laughs> no, but seriously, the bed should only be used for sleep and sex. Yeah. So get to it get to it. <laughs> whether it's sleep or sex get to it right now you're running out of time we're all gonna crash and burn in we're all gonna die just get to it and yes we can sleep when we're dead but like you're gonna die a lot sooner if you're not sleeping now get that on a t-shirt oh silly all right well this was episode four i hope you guys this was a short little episode but there's not much to talk about with sleep just Get to bed, like we said, yeah. and prioritize those little things. It's cool to sleep. <laughs> All the cool kids are sleeping. Sleep is the new <laughs> drug. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, right. we will let you get back to your sleep. Your sleep. So go to bed. I need to stop. Okay. Well, Toodles. I hope you guys enjoyed, and thanks for listening.